Um, firstly, I'd just like to say uh, thank you for all those who've made a, a special attempt in uh, coming to camp. Um, for some, it's probably been a, a bit harder than for others uh, because they've had to uh, come across borders and um, sort of probably push through um, the thought of it could just be easy to stay home. And maybe even locally, uh, we could have thought that we could have decided not to have a camp because everything was looking like, uh, uh, you know, maybe the, the bug was going to get in and, and stop us from having a camp. But uh, we, uh, we were pretty keen to have one. And uh, hasn't the Lord blessed it? Amen? Yeah. Um, in fact, I was rather thrilled about the wind that came through for a, for a while there at the beginning of well, the first part of the camp until a few days ago. thought, if the bug's here, just blow away. <laughs> um, don't always enjoy the wind at camp, but this time I wasn't too unhappy about it. But uh, um, yeah, particularly those who've uh, come from, from you know, difficult lockdowns in, in uh, New South Wales and, and Victoria, uh, where you've really been quite uh, deprived of face-to-face -face contact and you've come here and just wanted to contribute and, and we really want to thank you for doing that. Let's give them a round of applause, shall we? God loves seeing us together and uh, he knows uh, uh, he had a great plan called a church and it was uh, people who been being called out of the world into a, a new life, a different life, and it doesn't mix with the world. It needs to be uh, uh, brought together on its own so that we can talk the things that we love and to encourage each other in the things that God wants us to do and to have and all of the promises that he's put in front of us. And the world will not speak of God's promises. In fact, quite the opposite. And the, the way of the world is following the path of the devil. And some people might think that's pretty heavy conversation or maybe they don't even believe in a devil. Um, it's funny, people who don't believe in God often want to blame God for things when they go wrong. And how do you blame the person you don't believe in? And so uh, I, uh, I want to perhaps um, think about a little bit the thought here today uh, that the devil wants to have you. You know, we, uh, we had, uh, there's a scripture where Jesus talks to Peter and he says, Simon, Simon Peter, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. And the devil's got a lot of tricks. And uh, let's just go back to uh, Genesis and chapter 3 and we'll see where he enters the stage. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, this is Eve, Adam and Eve in the garden there in this perfect setting. Everything really nice all around them. Reminds me of my backyard. Kathy looks after it really well. This beautiful garden. And he says, Yea, has God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now, he knew exactly what he was talking about. He knew what God said. And he came in to put some doubt 
in the mind of the woman to say, are you really sure about God's word? And a lot of people want to do that today. Can you really trust God's word? Can you trust the Bible? Do you know your Bible to even be able to find an argument against the temptations that come? And so he puts this thought towards her. And in verse 2, And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. So she was still hanging in with what God had said to her very clearly. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. He comes again, just to work away at her. And in verse 5, for God does know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. So he plants a new thought in her mind that maybe God has actually deprived you of something and that to walk with him is not to know all things. And that there are better things outside that he's actually keeping from you. You need to go and look what those things are. Here he is, the tempter. And in verse um, 5, where did I get to? Verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes, she started to have a second look. And a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat, and they died. Not immediately, but they started on a very hard course because they started to go down the path of the devil. He had lured them and they had started on a path which they thought wouldn't hurt them, that they could have the garden and they could have the tree, that they could have both. And somehow or other they felt that that would actually work all right. But God came along and he put them out of the garden and he said, you can't have the garden anymore. And then they started to, to taste of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in their lives. And, of course, that was uh, terrible for them to see murder in their own family. What a terrible thing that all of a sudden was opened up to them. And then their own son, uh, who was the murderer, they lost a good son. The murderer went off uh, into the distance and started to make his own life. And all these things came upon them because they had moved away from the blessing of the Lord, which was there for them. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 6. God chose a nation later through uh, Abraham, first of all. He found a man uh, of faith and he loved him and he, uh, he brought a, a nation through his descendants. And that nation too was given many great promises uh, that if they would follow God and they would behave the way that he had set up, that he would bless them abundantly. But he also said if you walk... Oh, Deuteronomy 28 is quite clear. If you walk away from my path, then all the troubles will come your way. And eventually they did. And they, they walked, if we can call it, in a sense, on the devil's path. And without uh, a real uh, love of the, the things of God anymore. And we, we read here in uh, chapter 6 and in verse 15. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could blush, could they blush, 
Therefore they shall fall among them that fall at the time that I visit them. They shall be cast down, saith the Lord. And thus saith the Lord, stand you in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where is the good way and walk therein and you shall find rest for your souls but they said we will not walk therein and so he was directing them back to the things which were laid out in the beginning that they could have heard from their fathers and their forefathers to say we need to respect those things and keep them in our lives but of course uh, as we know one of the things about each generation is we say we're a different generation not like the one before and nobody understands us nobody understands our generation we need different treatment and nowadays you know we've got gen x and y and me and millennium and you know all sorts of these uh, uh, different characteristics that are supposed to somehow or other make allowances for a different time slot that people have lived in um, but we are reading here from 4000 BC and maybe uh, I don't know six or seven hundred BC and we're seeing the same characteristics in those generations as we see in the generations today it hasn't changed that things uh, continue on as they were let's look in Romans chapter 3 And in verse 9, what then are we better than they, those of the past? No, in no wise, for we have before proved, both Jew and Gentiles, that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They're all gone out of the way. They are together, become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulchre. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. Why? There is no fear of God before their eyes. Herein lies the problem. And when Eve had forgotten, and Adam, the fear of God, trouble came. When Israel forgot about the fear of God, trouble came. And here we are 2,000 years ago that Paul uh, is writing to the, the Roman church, and it's, it's current. It hasn't changed. These uh, um, tendencies that we see here are the tendencies that we can all have. I think back to uh, my own growing up and uh, it took a while <laughs> um, you know growing up in the 60s you know that baby boomer generation and um, and we thought it was all brand new to do certain things that we did um, the Beatles came on the scene and they had moppy hair so what did we do we went out and got moppy hair really cool um, John Lennon came along and said, we're more popular than Jesus Christ. 
What did people do? Start to move away from Jesus Christ. Twiggy came along and decided she could put on a really short skirt because that was new and exciting and that was going to be better than what had happened before. And so, what did we, they, not me, (laughs) (laughs) Kathy, (laughs) sorry Kathy, (laughs) what did we do? Short skirts, sort of fair bit showing at the top, you know, it became the new way. And what did we get from it? Trouble. We became immoral, we became mouthy, Bit by bit, we started to go down the devil's path of try this, try that. And I remember just uh, my younger years, my teenage years, that um, as I was allowed by my parents, because I think even then uh, parents were probably starting to feel the pressure that they couldn't have the authority and that they had to sort of let us go and that maybe we would work it out for ourselves. We didn't work it out for ourselves. We tried everything that was in front of us. So uh, I snuck off and found out how I could have a smoke. And with that, I needed to lie to my parents. So I discovered something else. And um, I found myself getting mouthy to my teachers, to my parents. And all of a sudden, I'm not on a path of respect to my parents. I'm not on a path of respect to God, who I'd grown up to believe in God. And and really, even though, you know, at times we found it was, there was adrenaline in what we were doing, um, we paid a price for it. We paid a hard price for it. And and it stung us. And it, it says here about it in verse 13, it says, their throat is an open sepulcher. That sounds to me, like um, a dead body that is, should have been closed up. It smells, it looks terrible, and, he, and it's saying that's what's coming out of our mouth. It smells, it looks terrible, it sounds terrible. And that's the way we started to talk with our lack of, no fear of God, no respect, and doing our own thing. And, and the world has just continued on that path and the the test for the generation now is that will you too fall for what we fell for will you say our generation is different you don't understand our music oh yeah we understand your music we were there oh it's a little bit different but our music was empty-headed there was suicidal stuff in there. There was all boy-girl stuff in there. It was just, it, it, it did our souls no good. And it'll do your souls no good when you listen to the, the beat of the world, so to speak. And I remember when I came to the Lord and uh, the songs I'd been listening to, they just didn't compare to the songs I heard in the meetings. I just heard this, and I've always liked music. I, I loved all types of music before I came to the Lord and, uh, and listened to various types. But all of a sudden, there was a pearl greater than all my little pearls, and I traded the little pearls in for this, this one. And I just loved the choruses. I loved the words that were in them because they lifted us up. And we started to, to sing them 
and just in everyday life, just, you know, we're not sort of necessarily on the bus sitting next to other people, but, um, but when you had a chance, you know, you'd, you'd just lift your voice with something far better. And, um, and we didn't want our throat to be an open sepulchre. And today, the mouthiness, the opinionated attitudes that come of maybe they've, maybe there's more of it. Um, because it's been unleashed and, and it's not good for anyone. It says here also, the mouth is full of cursing and bitterness and swearing is now legal. There is no social issues about swearing at all. There, 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 once upon a time, there were some social issues about it, but people still swore. But there was a certain amount of uh, time where you thought, well, I won't do it right now. And maybe some people still have a bit of that, but it's, it's becoming more and more, in a sense, socially acceptable. Uh, misery is in people's ways, where people have become so unhappy down the path that has been offered to them. And they say, why am I so miserable? Why can't I find any joy? You're on the devil's path. It's not the Lord's path. He's opened up the tree of knowledge of good and evil to you. Yep, you can go and find it all. You can watch it all on TV. You can see it on your phone and it brings misery. It might have an adrenaline rush for a moment, but then it brings misery. And, and so and in the end here, it just says, the way of peace they have not known and there is no fear of God before their eyes. And the challenge to us is to find this place of of, of a real respect for God and what he has done for us. You know, just to divert for a little um, onto the most important topic is that the devil never died for us. In fact, he wants us to die. That's really what he wants. And Jesus, he did die for us. And that's a great story because he wanted to relieve us of the things that would bind us and give us a brand new life of hope and victory and joy. So he's saying to us, lay those other things down. And I remember the, the real joy for Kathy and I that when we, we came along, that, that the things that were valuable to us before, whatever we might have watched or listened or wore, and you know, we, we, we saw it in testimonies around us that people looked different as Christians. They, they dressed modestly. They didn't make a, a special thing of themselves because they wanted something special to be in what was, what was in God and what God was presenting. They wanted his miracles to be the story. And so our focus went that way and we found ourselves thinking, I think I can do a bit better. And, and something lit up inside of us to want to do better and not to, to sort of fit into the world anymore. It was just enjoyable to, uh, to be a part of, of all of this and for me to go and get a, a haircut. I mean, it's, it's so um, popular now. For, I was just thinking of a scripture in the Old Testament. It talks there about for a man not to put on um, a woman's clothes. And, uh, of course, that is part of the modern world as well for some. And, um, and, but then, of course, the, the popular thing for men to grow their hair... It's a woman's thing. Women look great with long hair, if they're able to. All the men said. And the, the men don't look good with long hair. You know, the Bible says even nature teaches us that it's a shame for a man to have long hair. And so I was happy to get mine cut 
Uh, I mean, I wouldn't mind a little bit more now, but it's, uh, I was happy to get it cut back then. And, um, and it was a good feeling to, to have a fear of God and to do what he wanted me to do. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. And in verse um, 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. This word mammon, uh, we often refer to as wealth or riches, but another word for it is gain. You cannot serve God and gain. It's another scripture says, what shall a man be profited if he shall gain the whole world but lose his own soul? And our Western life is about getting gain. If I can't get it enough out of the bank, well, I'll have to invest in something else. Maybe cryptocurrency, I'll play around with that to see what extra benefits I can get from risky investments. Or perhaps uh, I need to um, make sure that I am um, spending a lot of time towards um, things that will earn me money to make my life more comfortable and so on. And yes, there's, we do say that we, you know, the, the Bible teaches us to work and not to be lazy. And of course, we encourage people to to do just that and whatever field of study or work you choose that uh, uh, you know uh, perhaps is good for your abilities, well hallelujah. Um, but don't let it become about gain in this world so much so that it squashes your love for the things of the Lord. Because the danger that we don't realise is that the more we consume our lives with other things that it does, it, it has this ability to become a love. It sort of sneaks up on you. You don't realise it. You maybe have a, a passing interest in sport, but the next thing, it's not just a passing interest, it's a love. Um, I mean, I was a great lover of sport before I came to the Lord, but now sport doesn't really love me. Uh, if I try something, it sort of hurts. But the um, to have a passing interest is one thing, but I, I, I'm sort of aware for myself of that my love was there, and I don't want my love to go back there. There are, there are many things in life that, that we can enjoy, but just be careful that whatever they are, you know, it's nice to, to have nice things, but be careful they don't become your love. And because it's saying here, there are two masters. In, it, that we can have. It's either God and everything God wants me to do or it's getting gain in this world and, and all the things that, that come uh, along with that. And in fact, down in, in verse 33, it says here, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things that you want in life, you'll get enough. We won't lack for the things that we need. God will provide for our needs and we'll find out exactly what he can do for us. Second Timothy chapter two.
and verse 22. Paul writes here to Timothy, and Timothy wasn't one who rejected the, uh, the, his God or his older brother, much older brother perhaps, that was trying to guide him um, in his life. You know, I think back to when I rejected my parents when I was growing up, thinking that they didn't understand my generation and, uh, and my way of thinking. And I, what a fool was I. My parents had been through the, the Great Depression and the Second World War and I th thought they didn't know anything. Duh. <laughs> Two of the hardest things that people have ever gone through. And my father was taken prisoner in the war. Uh, my mother was very badly treated and raped during the war. Um, during the Depression, they had difficult times through that. I won't go into all the details, but somehow or other, I thought they didn't know. You know, if, you, if your parents are in the Lord, count it a joy. They will have been through some trials. And they were young like you once. In fact, they're still young in their hearts. They're just dressed in an older body. <laughs> Nothing's changed inside. You'll find a lot of them st still got that same zeal that they had when they got filled with the Holy Ghost. It hasn't changed. And if you want to sit down with them and say, what were your trials and your tests and how did you overcome them? And how did you face the temptations of the world that came against you? How come you look so straight and boring now? <laughs> what is it inside of you that ticks and, and gain from their experience and from their overcoming and from other brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles who are around in the work. You have much experience here that can help you. Just tell you a little story. I was talking to a nurse uh, who um, works in the uh, neonatal and it's like an ICU unit really because uh, it's life and death with uh, prem babies. And um, she said, um, you know, some of the... <clears throat> younger nurses these days and she wasn't picking on all of them but she said some of them these days are real princesses and um, they come in and if uh, if they want to have a day off they sort of if they get it refused they just take a sickie because they had a party booked or whatever and so they're just not coming to work and um, there was one particular nurse that young nurse who had been corrected by a senior experienced nurse and, um, and this other senior nurse was watching and she thought it was really good the way she did that. She explained it to her, she was careful with her and so on. The young nurse then came to the other senior nurse in tears saying, I was bullied. You know the new terminology? Everybody's being bullied because nobody wants to be judged. And all of a sudden, you know, there's, there's no right or wrong. It's just how you treat me. You've got to sort of handle me very gently. And uh, so the other nurse took her aside and she said, I don't know if you realise this, but that is a very experienced nurse who's trying to teach you. And we will lose her soon and all of her knowledge and experience. And then where are you going to learn from? And all of a sudden, this young nurse sort of paid a bit of attention. And it's, it's very easy to sort of be overconfident if we're young and to ignore the experience of those who've gone before and who've, who've done the hard yards. And it's not wise to do that. I'm not sure where I was up to. Verse 22 of chapter 2. Flee also youthful lusts. 
but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And there's a lot of things to get opinionated about today. You know, you do a little bit of high school, a bit of a university education, and all of a sudden you know it all. And you've got an opinion on COVID, on an every health uh, direction that's been given about it, on every government and what they've done and haven't done. And we might have an opinion on saving the whale, and, and we might have an opinion on, on the warming of the globe, and we might have an opinion on everything. But do we know our Bibles? Do we know what God's opinion is? Because the times we're living in, he tells us very clearly, don't worry, these are just the last days. I'm coming back soon. And he wants us to read his word and not, like Eve, forget all of a sudden what God had said and think, no, I'll go along with the mainstream and find ourselves repeating the teachings of the mainstream. I think we've had some of that covered earlier in camp. And, and it, it, it's, it's easy to get caught up in that. It, but it, it's, the Lord is saying here, foolish and unlearned questions avoid. It talks elsewhere of science falsely so-called. You know, the science doesn't always follow its own principles or otherwise we wouldn't have evolution being taught because they haven't followed their own principles of proving things properly before they're taught. And it's never been proven and is taught as though it is absolute truth and it's an absolute lie. But that's, uh, that's the way of the world. And in verse 24, and the servant of the Lord must not strive. We don't need to get in those battles. We are here, as we just heard from our brother Daniel, and he's saying to other young people, you have got a very special story. Don't let the devil whisper in your ear. Don't let the world whisper in your ear. Yours, yours is a remarkable story. And, and it will make people sit up and take notice. Um, a story I love to repeat um, was one time I was down at Glenelg. We had an outreach down there. And there was um, a, a, a group of, um, of, I think mostly girls, that were sitting around having a smoke or a bong, I'm not sure which, um, and they uh, were just all chatting amongst themselves and, and, and so on. Anyway, I had a young brother who'd come off the streets and he had a great testimony of, of what had happened to him in his life and how he changed. And I had another sister as well who'd grown up in the fellowship and I, I came down to this group and I said, I've got a story for you. And the young guy's name was Joey. And um, he told his story. And they all with one accord said, ah, we've heard all that stuff before. You know, not interested. Remarkable change in his life. And then the girl, Corinne, I got her to give her testimony of how she'd never wanted the things of the world, never been interested. And their eyes were glued on her because they were living in misery. And here's this girl living in joy. And it, it, it just made it so obvious the power of a, of a good upbringing in the Lord. The power of that. It's, uh, you know, the, the power of the, of the convert out of the world is powerful. But also equally powerful is the testimony of one who has grown up and been faithful. It is it, it's just such a, a great thing. And, and as you speak it, just find the way to you know, go to the Lord, Lord, give me the confidence to say this, not just to say that I go to church, but to say a little bit more, 
and to say, do you really want to live the life you're living or would you like to live the life I'm living? Because my life is great. And let the Lord encourage you so that you grow stronger in the scriptures, in your prayer life and in, uh, and in your testimony. Um, 1 Timothy 6, will I go there? Um, I have got a, just something else I want to concentrate on a little bit. Verse 10 talks about the love of money being the root of all evil. Look out for what it does. Verse 11, but thou, O man of God, flee these things. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Now, right at the moment, the world is being turned upside down by a pandemic. And I wonder whether the Lord is sort of stirring up our stumps as well. You know, that we've, uh, we've had it, maybe we've had it fairly comfortable, you know, in some ways. You know, we come to the Lord and a nice predictable life in some ways. I know we all still have our challenges. But uh, all of a sudden, a lot of the things that we have come to take for granted, just being able to meet together was, was taken from us. You know, the simplicity of how all of that worked. And, um, and there's a lot in that that can sort of throw you off. Now, in a way, that sort of puts us in the league with, uh, maybe not to the same degree, but a lot of people, as you read through the scriptures, how was it for Daniel living in Babylon? You know, no meetings for him. Um, you sort of think of different people like Esther. How was it for her? No meetings for her. But just a, a relationship with God. And so we, we look at some of these heroes of the Old Testament and they must have had to really stir their stumps. That means get your legs going. And, and the Lord, maybe with all of this shaking, there's a whole lot of shaking going on. Was that an old song? Um, there was, he wants to stir us in the right direction. And, and I'm, I'm, for one, am enjoying the fact a bit more now about some of the unpredictability. Because uh, people are coming up with ideas. I think, what if we do this? What if we do that? You know, uh, should get Pastor Rob up here to tell maybe some of the difficulties they've had been finding a meeting hall in Ballarat. I think they've had six of their last seven meetings in different locations. Is that right, Pastor Rob? Don't know where he is. Somebody from Ballarat tell me? Yes. Yeah. So they've been having to jump from here to there to everywhere. You know, in Geelong, they've had to, a little while there, create two meetings. They had their kids in one meeting and they had the others in another meeting so that they could continue on some way. And they had the kids actually running a little fellowship and it did the kids some good, you know, to be able to do that in a time where they were feeling isolated and a bit uh, broken by having to face screens through school and through fellowship all the time. They got tired of it. And, and, and now there's some rewards coming out of that because there's two girls here that have come from Geelong because they've heard the gospel during that time and they're here. One of them got filled with the Spirit the other night and one of them's praying to receive the Holy Spirit. And you think, hallelujah. If that's what the stirring up does, well, bring it on. There are young people who want to hear the gospel. They're not all shut off. There are some people who are desperate to, to grab hold of a bit more and, and the Lord is really, uh, I think, trying to stir our stumps. Let's go to Acts chapter 17.
I won't read this story, I just want to get a phrase out of it. There was a bit of uh, trouble going on here for preaching the gospel in verse 6. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. That's our calling. Nobody's got the great things that we've got. And maybe this time is a really, well, it is a really important time in history. If we look back just over 100 years, in April of 1906, there was a revival started um, of people getting spirit-filled. It's fairly well known by, I guess, uh, those who've been spirit-filled. Uh, it was in a place called uh, Azusa Street uh, in Los Angeles. This revival started. That same April, I think about nine days later, there was a massive earthquake in the sister city, San Francisco. And it turned the place upside down. Only a city of 400,000 back then. But fires through the city, I think 500 city blocks leveled, 3,000 people died, people having to find ways to cook and live and so on and so on. You've got these two things happening at the same time. Is that the Lord's timing? And here we are, all of a sudden in the middle of this pandemic that's been happening, and God has prepared a work to say, you go out amongst them. Let's stir our stumps. Let's be ready for the unpredictable. Let's be ready for anything. And if that means uh, we outreach a little differently, if it means we have to run our meetings a little differently, um, let's just do it. And people, hopefully, will see, see that we are unstoppable. That God is, maybe that's not the way of saying it, God is unstoppable. And that uh, as we work together with him, that we will not miss out. Let's go to Acts chapter 2, just to finish. For anybody uh, new here today, in verse 37, they uh, had heard that they had crucified Jesus Christ. Their only hope. And they realised, I think, all of a sudden that they were on the path of the enemy. Against God, not for him. And in verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Pastor David brought it out in the talk a little while ago. Save yourselves from this untoward generation today. There's, uh, there's been one after another, right back to Adam and Eve. Save yourselves from the current one. That we're facing at the moment. We uh, have been called to do exciting things, to go out and lay hands on the sick, pray for them that they might recover, pray for people to receive the Holy Spirit, to hop on a plane when you're 78 years old and go to the UK to preach the gospel in the middle of um, COVID in England. You know, they haven't lost their, their zeal. Pastor Jock and Helen. 
and there's a lot of people here that haven't lost their zeal. Like I say, the skin might be getting a little bit older, but inside it's still pumping away. And uh, may we not ever consider too much our age. It doesn't matter a hoot. Whether we're young, whether we're old, or whether we're ancient. It doesn't matter a bit. You know, when Jesus was brought into the temple as a child, we got two ancient people in there, the, the ones that prophesied over him. God had not stopped using them. He said, I want to use you till your last breath. We heard the testimony of Noel Kavanagh. You know, I thought that was his last breath, that last witness, and I rang him up to say goodbye. Well, I'm going to... I think I'm going to see him again, I'm hoping to, because he had a marvellous cancellation of a funeral. Hallelujah. May we stay young. May we keep miles away from what the devil is offering. Maybe we be constantly vigilant and proud of what God is doing. All the people said.